Uh, thank you for joining us here this evening. Uh, my name is Bill. For those of you who might be visiting and uh, anyone online there, this is Crossroads Community Church. We're, we're starting a, uh, a series tonight called Voter's Guide. Because obviously, I think we're aware in a couple of weeks, uh, an election is coming up before us. And, and one of the things that the video focused in on is that, that we really are a hurting unit as the nation is concerned. You know, we've got things that are going on around us, the COVID-19. Uh, depending on the day, it's between 60 and 70,000 new people uh, come down with the cases, even though we're holding better because of experience and more uh, uh, ventilators as far as the death is concerned. Last week, we had uh, 800,000 people uh, filed for unemployment claims. Economic pandemic is still challenging us. I, I heard on the way in and on the radio stations that the, the delayed rent and the delayed mortgages are starting to pick up and roll up, and they're going to be coming at people uh, in such a way that, that it will actually be, for many, the final move that will put them into bankruptcy and failure. You know, soaring national debt of $27 trillion, trillion dollars, 3.7 this year. And after the election, no matter who wins, we'll go up another $2 trillion. Uh, my grandkids, I'm very happy that they're going to get to take care of all that for you. Um, but there it is. Uh, a couple of things that are going on around us. Personal debt is also growing in people's lives. Uh, Education collapsed. We, we, we were hurting before the pandemic. Uh, we had gone from 40 years ago from number one in the world of developed nations to number 40. We went from first to dead last in math, science, and we were actually at number 39 in literature. So we really buffed it up for that particular thing. Uh, and the schools being closed, by the way, is exacerbating the whole problem. Social unrest, city streets. You know, we can't deny one of the things that is very interesting. We had a, a high-powered discussion in our state here just a little while ago. Uh, the president of the United States was here, the, the esteemed governor of the state of California were present, and they were going back and forth about, well, what's causing the wildfires? And uh, uh, the debate was, well, there, is it forest management? Is it... Uh, it's just climate change that are happening because of man's input. You know who was missing from the discussion? The guy that owns the thermostat. God. He's the one that sets the temperature. Uh, he, we, we look so much to what we do and we forget that we have a sovereign ruling God. And matter of fact, the next election, 42% of the people think that climate change is the most important issue. I don't know, 42%, that's four out of 10 people. The one thing that they're focusing on is our uh, emissions, our gas uh, emissions into the uh, atmosphere, uh, changing those things. You know, one of the things that, as we look at what's going on in the world, and it's easy sometimes to, in Ridgecrest it has been in the past, to look the other way. Man, it stinks to be anywhere else. And yet, when I came here, and, and up until quite recently, it was 100 miles visibility every day. You just sort of took it for granted. You'd go out and you could see uh, Whitney portals that every time I had a vet, uh, you know, guests that would come up here. I'd say, see that behind that? That's 100 miles, and we can see it. It's a pilot's delight. Now we're lucky to get 10 miles visibility. Think about that. And it's dangerous to walk. 
And yet we, we walk out, and I don't know about anyone else, but unless we stop and really notice, it becomes, oh, yeah, it's got smoking in today. Things are happening around us, and, and we just start to take them for granted. You know, I look around at the uh, indicators uh, of social situations, family, uh, personal health. Suicide rates are skyrocketing during this time, particularly among teens and seniors. Divorces, domestic abuse are spiking. Uh, sexually transmitted diseases, physical uh, disabilities are taking place. Man, we're a hurting unit. The good news. The good news is that, that God says that if you and I, his people, followers of Christ, if we would humble ourselves, humble ourselves, put our pride, our self-centeredness, our self-esteem, our self-actualization, all the self-sins that control and dominate our culture right now, and if we would humble ourselves and, and pray and, and seek his face, this, this honest, open communication where we come into the presence of God and we hear from him. You know, one of the, the, the most exciting parts about prayer is knowing where we are. We're reminded that we live on this world. This is our earth. We live in the United States. But we're not citizens primarily here. Our spiritual citizenship is in heaven, where, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know, we, we get attached down here. It's important what we do down here. But we're citizens, foreigners and aliens passing through this world, going to his world. So if we, if we come into his presence, his face, and here's the, uh, the challenge, turn from our wicked ways. If we stop sinning, uh, don't want to be blunt, we stop sinning. A lot of pastors, by the way, won't read that part of the verse. But ultimately, my part of the goal tonight is by the end of the night to be able to say, wait a minute, I have a share of what's going on in this world. I have a vote with God about what's going to happen inside of our country. If we'll turn from our wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal our land. But it's the, it's the conditional promise that God says, if, so much if, it's if we do this, then he more than willingly is ready to do the rest of it, to heal our land. Uh, this is the promise that we're looking at, uh, the big if. And it's, it's not about politicians. It doesn't say if my politicians, if my governors, if my presidents, if my, if my educators, if my scientists, if this, this, or this, if this group were to do something, then it would change. It's as if my people. That's us. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for hope. Lord, we, we want to hear your voice more now than, than ever before. It's so critical. We Statistically, physically, uh, all the things that are there, we're, we're at a line. We're at a line, and, and we're pushing to go over that line. So, Lord, we, we thank you for your patience, your mercy, your grace. As you reach out to us and encourage us, call us back like lost sheep, that we might honor you and come close to you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, I listed a lot of 
by the way, I listed a lot of issues that are going on right now. And just to let you know that I had three pages of issues, and it was, I got bummed going through them. But I want to talk about what I think is the, is the symptom of the biggest problem inside of our country. Our kingdom is divided. We live in a divided nation. The, the anger and animosity, the, the harshness that goes back and forth between the political parties, but it filters down to every segment of our society. As if you start to mention different things, and if you mention climate change, if you mention these things, it's almost like fighting words that take place inside of our culture. Start talking on... Um, Facebook, start talking and, and, or tweets and chats, all this other stuff that's going on out there. It's, and you take a step back and you look at it, and it, it's brutal. But here's where it starts, where it starts at the top and comes down. The kingdom is divided against itself. The Democrats and the Republicans are, are totally split on every issue. We'll spend a couple of weeks talking about their p- positions. We'll start talking about their differences. We'll start talking about all those things. And, and next week, as we actually prepare the voting guide, we'll say, who should we vote for? But the problem is the division. We have gridlock. So even if, even if we had serious answers to the problems that are in front of us, we can't work on them because we're so angry with the other person. God's word is true. A country divided will not stand. And the question is, and as you start looking at some of the statistics that are out there, peer research is always uh, pulling in statistics. Listen to this one. Even 80% of the people today feel that this election is the most important election that's coming up. And I tend to agree with them. Religious leaders, economic leaders, everything is looking at what's taking place in our country. And, and we've been going in a direction for so long that we're at a pivot point. 80% think this is the most important election. Political, religious, educational, scientific leaders are saying the same thing. But in the same survey says it doesn't matter who wins. No matter which party wins, only 19% of the citizens of our country have confidence in whatever government takes control. 19%. uh, 81% say, there's no hope. There's there's nothing we can do. No matter who gets in, we're going to have the same thing. We're going to have the same issues facing us. You know, that's a, those are staggering numbers. Just 14% believe that the, elect, the presidential election will be fair and honest. 14%. So for the first time in, since the founding of this nation, 86% of the people don't feel that we can have an honest election. I don't know about you. That's shocking. And, and oh, by the way, that's the reason. Because the political parties are sowing doubt back and forth about the election. They've got a microphone. They've got a big microphone in a pulpit to speak to the whole nation. And they're sowing doubt and fear that's going on. Uh, this is the first time in history with these issues, with this pessimism, with this fear, 
How important is my vote? Should we just write it off? Do that? Well, as Christ followers, that's not an option. We, our Lord was here on earth. When Jesus was here, he, he, he talked about giving to Caesar, giving to the government what the government deserved. They were trying to pin him down in, in this thing, and they, they said, you know, do we have to worship Caesar? Do we have to pay taxes? Trying to trick him. And, and he said, well, he said, well, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. And give to God what's God. Now, in this case, you may not connect this right away, but it's the same thing in this case. We are to give a godly, informed vote inside of our country. That's our responsibility as a citizen of this nation. That's our responsibility as a citizen of the kingdom of God and a follower of Jesus. We're to give an intelligent, godly vote uh, into the election that's going to be taking place. We should do that. You know, uh, we should pick the best candidate. We'll talk about how to do that uh, as we go forward. We'll look at each of the issues that are before us, and we'll give some guidelines on that. But it's our responsibility to do this. So as I start, I'm going to kind of thin the mob here just a little. Uh, the mob, boy, excuse me. Uh, the, the people that are listening. Uh, we are open again, by the way, for those of you on internet or anything like that. It's kind of exciting to see these smiley little, the top half of all these smiley little faces that are out there. Kind of, we got the best looking eyes in, in the whole city looking in here right now. Uh, but who should listen? First off, followers of Christ, biblical Christians. We should listen to what God says about how we should vote. He's given us a voting guide. He's done it every year. He guides our life. It guides our voting. It guides our family. It guides uh, our health. It guides everything. Scripture is breathed by God. He breathed it into to 40 authors that wrote 66 books. God's Word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that you and me can be adequately equipped for every good work. That means voting. We should be able to open the Bible and have it guide us to what is a godly vote as we offer it before Christ. It should equip us. So the Bible's our voting guide. You know, this is a, a, this biblical Christianity or biblical Christians, again, and I, I point this out, and this is why we're in such danger, has become such a small group. It's 2% of the general population understands biblical Christianity. Of people who attend churches, work in churches, and give in churches, only 6% have a biblical worldview. This is part of the problem that we're facing here today. So uh, we're going to use the Bible as a voting guide. Now I, I hope, if I do my job right, I will provoke some of you. Not to anger, I hope, uh, but to provoke you to look and see what the Bible says. And if you don't agree with something that I say, come talk to me. But don't bring some talking head on CNN or Fox News' talk. Bring Scripture. I say this all the time. Do not believe me. You're responsible for your relationship with Christ, and you're responsible to check everything out. This is, these are the verses that I use. Don't believe me. Um, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every pastor. Oh, my goodness. By the way, this, I know you know this. Don't believe what's on YouTube. Don't believe what's out there on Facebook. There's 
fact check everything that's taking place and check that against the Bible as you do it. So the first group, Christians should listen um, as we go forward. Um, Next. And there's a group that, this is going to sound strange, but I think this is the most important group to me just because of, of my heart and when I became a follower of Christ. There's a group of people maybe here listening in for sure out there in Cyberland just clicking around that that have some questions. You, you see the junk that's going on. You see the damage. You see the pain. You see the suffering. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've had COVID or got COVID or, or whatever it is or someone you know has died from it. And you're looking at the world and it, and it is by any appearance out of control. And you're looking for answers. You're, to me, you're the most important. Because God promises if you seek if you look, if you come to him and seek him, uh, he'll hear you, and he'll be found. And I, I love this one comment, because this was me at one time in my life when I, when I found out the possibility that Jesus was who he said he was, that God was real and the Bible was true. I, I went after it like a dog after a bone. Uh, I sought him diligently. So I encourage you, if you're in that second group, let us help. Get everything, write it down, come back, ask questions. We'll give you a Bible, send you Bibles. If you're not here in Ridgecrest, we'll do everything we can to encourage you in this area. So that's the second group. Now, the third group, um, these are people who, who may even attend church. Some, some can be atheists and, and, and reject God. Uh, the wicked says they don't seek him. His thoughts are there is no God. But mostly in our country today, as we've got the bulk of people, 60-some percent, have been lulled into a false Christianity by false teachers, false pastors, uh, and by their own selfish desires. See, I was a false Christian for 33 years. I wasn't a false Christian uh, because I uh, didn't have the information. I wanted to live my life, do my thing. So, so I chose uh, to listen and talk to myself and, and, and to be away from God. So some people here that are going to listen to this and um, I would kind of suggest that sooner or later, this week or next week, just click me off. I'm going to make you angry anyway and ruin your dinner probably. So, but thanks. And if you, there's, there's a group of people that maybe just shouldn't listen to what's going on. You, we think that Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ, they're just foolishness. And so, so we don't need to have anything to do with them. So three groups, so group one, group two. Um, so here, here we go. First about me, quickly, I've already said most of it already. I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that he is the hope and redeemer of this world. No other way can my sins be removed except through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. I am sold out as a Christian obnoxiously sold out, if you will. Uh, I believe God's word is absolute truth that will never change. And I also believe that as a, as a follower of Christ, the Bible and Jesus commands us to be under the authority of the governments where we're put. We're to, to honor the, the president, in our case, the leaders, the governors, uh, even when we disagree with them, and maybe even disagree with them on biblical grounds. We still have to honor them and the position that they're in. Because God put them there. God establishes all authority. 
So to, to, to understand uh, Governor Newsom or President Trump or Joe Biden or whoever gets what with who, uh, we need to honor them because we get the government God wants us to have. We'll see why. It's, we're, it's based on us. We get the government that, that we deserve at a point in time. So I say that all the time, but it's true. But, but for myself, I'm following Christ, and, and I love our country. This, this country, there's two countries that were founded on God and God's principles. Founded on it. That was Israel, initially, and that's the United States when we came here. Our declaration, our, fi- our, our founding documents, even though uh, history is being rewritten at different times, uh, in, in our school systems, in academia, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are rights given by God. They are not given by the Supreme Court. They're given by God. And, and, and that's, that's the hope that we have as we, as we strive to return to the foundational teachings uh, inside of our country. The governments, what's governments? Governments are instituted deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. Now, that means that our politicians rule by our consent. <laughs> it's going through your mind, right? I didn't choose them. But that's the, multiple, the, the multitudes of people, they chose them. But here's another vote for us or something to know. When the government, the form of government, becomes destructive to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it is the right of the people to, all, to abolish and institute new governments, laying again a foundation on such principles organizing its power. That's called voting. That's called voting. Here's, here's where we get input. And so uh, that's what we're talking about today. So I believe in those founding documents that came inside of our country. A couple of quotes, and I love the quotes from the beginning because I don't think you're going to hear them many places as you go. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will and be grateful for His benefits. George Washington founds our country on the principle that there is a God and we should be thankful to Him and we should follow His principles. The next one is great. This is the uh, first Supreme Court justice. Providence has given you and me, the people, the choice of our rulers. And it's our duty as well as our privilege and interest as a Christian nation to select and to prefer Christians for our rulers. Next week we'll actually be breaking out the candidates and we'll, which one? Is he, is there one? Maybe that's a better question, but we're supposed to look for Christian characteristics. We'll talk about how to evaluate that next week. And one of the problems we find in our country, our Constitution, uh, all the amendments and everything else are only made for a moral and a righteous people. Freedom will not work for immoral people. When immoral people exercise their right to sin, government has got to pass laws and get more police to try and control them. We need a moral people to have the government that we want. So, from here on, let's shift gears, buckle up. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about why we're in the mess we're in. It's the 
it's, a, it's the thing that's rarely talked about, even in Christian circles. I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be in this job. I'm supposed to be a prudent person that if I see danger, I take precautions. And as a, as a pastor, as a, and you as Christians, you walk in this world, in this community, uh, that you walk in at your work and every place else, you should be ready to give a warning to the people that are out there. We have biblical eyes. We see what's happening. We see the rapid moral, spiritual decay inside of our country. So uh, God is warning us through all the events, the natural uh, calamities, the economic calamities, the health calamities, everything that is, is taking place here. Uh, hurricanes, droughts, floods, smoke, fires, very simple. We should be warning people that God's in charge of this world, and he's the one we need to look to first and foremost. But why is God doing it? Well, because we've been bad kids. He's disciplining us. I don't think there's anyone, uh, and I talk to people who are secular and, and out there and everything else, and even they say the moral decay inside of our country is appalling. Uh, Sunday school class last week we were talking and uh, we revisited the first curse words that were ever put out on a public movie uh, back in the 1930s with Gone with the Wind. One curse word. Go turn the TV on now. Back in the day, marriage, divorce, uh, care, all these things, abuse, all these numbers have spiked. We, we're being disciplined by God. Why? Why is it we're being disciplined? Because God has shut up the heavens most people, I, I read verse 14 earlier, that it said, if my people, most churches do not read or put out the first verse. Second Chronicles 13, uh, or 7, 13, only makes sense, or 14, only makes sense if you read 13. When God shuts up the heavens, when God causes COVID-19, when God sends wildfires, when God sends floods, when God sends hurricane after hurricane uh, up against New Orleans, uh, and all, there's rain, there's locusts, there's all this other stuff, pestilence, I love that word, among, my, among you know, my people. If then, when God sends those, these aren't random accidents. God still is in charge of everything that takes place. Not a sparrow falls that God doesn't do it. So these things are coming to discipline, to correct, to be part of what we're doing. You know, it's a, it's a discipline process that we're going under. You know, and, and we should endure. We should walk with the discipline that is there as we go forward. He does these things to us. He rules over everything. God is disciplining the United States. He addresses us as sons, daughters, beloved children. Uh, in, in, in 2020, we're being disciplined. One of the things as a parent, this is going to sound really sick. We disciplined our kids. Okay, you got to, or they're going to discipline you in, in the future and ruin themselves. But we disciplined them. But one of the sick joys that my wife and I had when they would do something is we would get together. And it wasn't that devious, but it certainly was calculated and careful to be able to inflict the right amount of discomfort that was needed for the situation. 
We wanted to make sure that they understood that they had chosen discipline and out of love for them, we were going to administer to them. And they would complain, but we would say, well, you chose it. We didn't do this. But in, in 2020, I want to go back to the statistics I gave earlier. The truth of God, the, veil, the gospel veil, all of this, a veil has been pulled over the eyes of this world by the devil. There are spiritual forces that are blinding our kids. And if there's anything I can do to fix that, let me know. Stop talking. Um, can everyone see my hands away from the microphone? <laughs> If you want to bring a hand mic up, do something. But anyway, I'm going on. This is, the, this is the concern that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the fact that he died for our sins, the fact that God created the world, the fact that the Bible is the absolute word of God has been veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this world, who sometimes masquerades as a politician, sometimes uh, masquerades as a scientist, sometimes masquerades in a dozen different things, talking heads on TV, uh, radio, anywhere that you want to go, that it, it blinds the minds of this world so they can't see the glory of Christ. So that's, that's the world that we walk into, and that's part of the discipline that we're experiencing in 2020, trying to continue to add so people will turn to God. Uh, because the, the truth is, discipline here might save a soul for eternity, and that's the goal of it. So, uh, next, next area is God's faithful. He will not be deceived. We as a nation, we as a city, we as a church, as families that are represented here and as people, we can't mock the justice of God. It's an ongoing total principle of an absolutely holy God with an absolute standard that he's informed us of and he's given us the power and the desire to follow it. So uh, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. If we sow, we're going to reap. What we put in the ground is going to grow. The one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. Uh, don't grow weary in doing good. So we're going to, for the next couple of this, today and, and next week, we're going to be talking about doing good. And, and to make sure that we know that our vote counts. We, we want to sow a godly vote to honor God, to honor ourselves. The future of our grandchildren really hang in the balance as we do these things. But make sure that you understand who's counting the votes. Remember I said earlier that uh, only 14% of the people think we're going to get a fair, just election? The election that God is involved with he counts the votes. It's absolutely accurate. And when he does it, he doesn't look on the outside. He looks at our hearts. You see, it's your heart and my heart that's going to change the direction of this world, the direction of this country, the direction of this city. You know, I, the Lord, I search the heart. I test the mind to give each man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And it's, and it's really a simple test. Do we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do we love our neighbor? Pretty simple.
It really is simple. Do we love to the point of sacrifice and giving? That's, that's really the question that we have. Uh, two commands. Everything is summed up in them. Uh, but again, I, I want to emphasize this point. When God looks at you, when he looks at me, when he looks at your kids, your neighbors, your friends, everyone, everyone that's there, he looks at our heart. Again, we, we understand the importance of the heart. It's the interior description or, or person that we are inside of ourselves. It's our heart. When, when a person gets married, one of the things that you'll find very quickly is what the heart is of your mate. When you have friends, when you have other people, it's their heart that defines them. And because and we can tell because out of the good person, out of the treasure of his heart, he'll produce his good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure will produce evil. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do what I say? What we say, what, what comes out of our mouth tells you what's in our heart. And the eyes of the Lord are looking for those hearts that are completely his to strongly support him. Our God looks at hearts. You know, this is the challenge uh, that we have in front of us. Really, and that's where God looks at the vote. What comes out of the mouth will be so important to us. You know, is it murder, adultery, uh, foul words, anything else? Now, here we go. You ready? I want to talk about the, the biggest sin in our nation. And the thing that's dividing its most is what we say. It's what we think, what's in our heart, and what comes out through our mouth. The good person, this, this treasure, produces good things out of his heart. But what we're saying, seeing inside of our countries, particularly uh, in, in the world of, of politics and everything else, and let's, let's look at the next verses, because this, this is where we need to evaluate people, and we need to evaluate ourselves. Uh, it's, it's what we say. Jesus kind of pushed it right to the limit. He said, uh, you shouldn't murder. You shouldn't murder. And yet he raised the bar. Because not murdering, okay, I, I can get that. But he says, could you go to the next one, Ty? If there was a verse for 2020 that Jesus taught it, we're told not to murder or be liable for judgment. He says, but I tell to you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable for the fires of hell. There isn't a political discussion between people that goes on that Hardly, that doesn't qualify here. Certainly we watch debates, we watch party platforms, we watch talking heads. We actually have some networks that, that thrill themselves when they can get two people to come in and sit on a panel and yell at each other for half an hour in front of us. And this has become acceptable. This has become normal. This has become where we are. Now, I'm, I'm saying this and I'm pointing out there at those people. But the truth is, we're in this net also that gets caught. I have had to, as diligently as I can, 
divorce myself from politics, political discussions in small groups and Sunday school classes and in different public settings and privately. Just have to be careful. I have to guard my heart for out of it flows the streams of life. People will sit for hours and let hate and discontent pour in, fill their hearts. And then when they get squeezed, they murder. They come out and they slaughter, they gossip, they do that. Uh, it says, love your neighbor. Well, okay, you shall love your neighbor. It hates your enemy. I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you might be sons of God. You know, how many Democrats pray for Republicans? If you think we're as messed up as you, you know, you that messed up, pray for us. Republicans, pray for Democrats. If you think they're messed up, pray for them. Pray to change your heart first and foremost. And, and when we get into these different discussions in different places with people that don't agree with this, we, uh, we fire out. But if we can solve this, Politicians might talk to each other. City leaders might speak to the people. We might be able to have a civil discourse going back and forth. And as a matter of fact, this is so important, this, this one concept of loving our enemies. is This series is going to end after the election. And we're going to start another series, the first message on, in that series, which is all from the Sermon on the Mount, is blessed are the peacemakers. We should be working now diligently after the election. Christians should have the voice of peacemakers. We should walk in such a way that we can show Christ to uh, the nation around us by binding together to show love for our neighbors, winners or losers, uh, so that we'll be able to do that. So that's, that's where we're going to be going with Blessed are the Peacemakers. So that series will carry us all the way through Christmas. No matter who wins, the goal is to turn us from our anger, our junk, and to be able to go forward. You know, because when, when we look at our country and we start to say what's wrong with it, the, the, the real truth is it's you and me. To the degree that we contribute to the to the anger, the disputes, the dissensions, the divisions that take place inside of our country, it's us. A uh, friend of mine sent me an, uh, an email. It was a political email, so I went, but it was an email from, from the London Times. It was put out some time ago, and it, it, it asked a question to all the readers of the London Towns, uh, Times, and it said, listed a bunch of problems, and he said, now, what's the problem here? How can we fix this problem? What's the source? What's the ultimate source of these problems? And they got all sorts of answers back, you know, blaming everyone the typical stuff. Um, a, a guy named G. G. K. Chesterton, one of the greatest philosophers, Christian philosophers, he answered that question about what's wrong. He sent back a letter to him, dear sirs, when I ask what the problem is, dear sirs, he says, I am. At such time as I see that I am part of the problem, a contributor to the problem, and such time as each person sees we are part of the problem, and we need to adjust 
change and transform ourselves to become part of the solution. The choice is ours. We, we, have to, we can't say we have no sin. If we say we have no sin, if we say we don't have a part of what's going on, go to the next one, Ty, please. If, if, we, don't, if we say that, we're, we're, we're calling God a liar. If we confess our sins, he will forgive us. Because here's the rest of it. He shuts up heaven and, and he turns to us and we humble ourselves and pray. And we say, who's responsible? I am. Then he can change our land. And this is, this is corporate. This, is, this group of people here, this group of Ridgecrest, this group of California, Cal, United States, all of, we're a corporate group that defines the direction of our nation. And it, we, we can yell at the top, but the truth is, we're the only ones that we can change. We're the only ones that we're, we can make a difference. And, and that's what happens inside of every culture as we go forward. And we've watched nation after nation, culture after culture, go through what we call a, a cycle of blessings or a cycle of curses. This is a historical uh, event that takes place. Jesus, or God, when he was describing this, he, he talked to the people. He said, I call heaven and earth to the people going into the promised land, to the Jews going in. And he calls this to the United States. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness to you in the United States. God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving God the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him. This is your life. This is the length of days that you may dwell in the land. He says, if you want to dwell in the land, here's what you do. Choose life. Because here's the cycle. And I, uh, this is, you can see it in the Bible. It's given to us an example for the nation of Israel. You can see it in our country over time. We start out with this, with this, this seeking God and, and working with him. And we're blessed Pride and rebellion follows. We get lazy. We turn away from God. And, you know, from the 1940s on, we've become so arrogant in our wealth that, that we've turned from God and, and, and depend on ourselves. So we get pride. We get rebellion. We get warnings from people. And then we get curses of sin. We get got out of our schools. We, we redefine marriage. We, we do everything that we can. We take the lives of 60 million babies. That's the population of Canada. We, we get sin running in our streets. We get rebellion. We get riots. We get all these things. And as time goes by, we don't turn from our sins. It hardens our hearts until God brings judgment. And then when God disciplines and brings judgment, we repent and then we seek God all over again. Where do you think we are? Where do you think we are? That's a question each person has to look at because it defines how we live our lives. You know, we, we want to get over to the place where we're honoring God, but I don't think a rational person can look at this and see that the United States has not moved to the point of the uh, judgment of God coming upon us in so many areas. 
If we don't change, our nation will not go on. Again, both verses, when he shuts up heaven, when he sends pestilence, when he sends all the stuff that's coming at us right now, all the social decay, moral decay, and everything that's taking place, humble ourselves, pray, and then vote. Vote our heart. Check our heart. Examine our heart. I, I love that part of it. God searches the heart, but also we should search our heart. We should ask God, search my heart. I, I, I often encourage people, this is the most important prayer. Whenever anything goes on in our life and it's got a negative connotation or something that we need to know, ask God to search our heart. Husbands, wives, when you're in conflict with your mate, ask God to search your heart. He will never tell you what they're doing. He'll point out your stuff. When stuff's not going right in a job situation, work situation, life situation, neighborhood situation, ask God to search our heart. Show us our pride and our selfishness. That's our homework for this week, by the way, uh, as we go forward, uh, making sure that we prepare for next week. And, and just a couple of things, I, I got them on your uh, outline, they'll be on the the website and on the, on the app as you go forward. Some things we should look at. I encourage people to read Joel Rosenberg. Wrote a beautiful paper on pestilence in response to COVID-19. He did a great biblical search of every time God used the word pestilence or plagues and when he used it and how, he, how over thousands of years God has used it to discipline and draw his people back. Uh, websites are on there. Uh, also, David Platt talked about this last week with a great book called, uh, you know, uh, Before You Vote, a book to look at. We'll look at some of the questions he has. I've got the Facebook link. You can go listen to him as we go there. He has got an outstanding system for evaluating candidates and all the problems that are there. These are some of the questions that are in that thing. And also, please read the party platforms. Don't read them in detail because you'll, you'll, you won't ever get them down. But read them. The Democratic platform is posted. So you can read them, what they believe on every issue. Look at the biblical issues. The Republican platform wasn't published this year. For the first time since, what is it, 1857 or something like that, the Republicans did not post or turn out a party platform. Basically, they said, well, we like what... President Trump has done, so we're going to use 2016, and whatever he says goes is our platform. So look at those things. Get ready, because next week we'll look at those candidates. Look at those issues. Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your patience, your love, your mercy, your grace. Lord, you're just such a good God. You've given us, I believe, the best country in the world to live in, the best political system, the resources, the wealth beyond anything that's ever happened before. Your blessings have been poured out upon us. But, Lord, we've taken them for granted. We've, we've turned from you and we've turned to the world. We've changed our, our schools into, into worship services of, of humanism. We've, many of our churches have fallen away and we, we, wor we worship man in churches and, and man's word and man's philosophy and not yours. Lord, examine our hearts for the next week. Prepare us to cast your vote in, in two weeks. We thank you that you'll do that. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.